I'm Stephanie Cox, and this is Mobile Matters. This week's episode is the final in our series of live interviews that we conducted while at MMA Impact. We had a great time networking with mobile marketing leaders at the event and had the opportunity to sit down with some of the attendees to talk about how they think about mobile strategy in their organization, what's working in their business, and where they think the future of mobile is headed. Today, I'm joined by Brent Bolden. Brent is the Vice President of Marketing, Media, and Customer Acquisition at Choice Hotels International. He has more than 20 years of experience working in both Fortune 100 companies and global professional services organizations. He has a proven track record of successfully developing marketing strategies to drive business growth and sustain channel and campaign performance. In this episode, Brent and I talk a lot about the idea that digital marketing may not really exist anymore because it might just be marketing how Choice Hotels thinks about their mobile and digital strategy, and why he thinks we're on the verge of a radical change regarding consumer privacy. And make sure you stick around to the end, where I'll give my recap and top takeaways so that you can not only think about mobile differently, but implement it effectively. Welcome to the show, Brent. Tell me how you got started in digital marketing and a little bit about your career. Yeah, I started my career in management consulting uh, out of undergrad and had aspirations of making a career of that in the strategy consulting field. Went back to business school uh, to make that happen. That was during the dot-com bust in the early 2000s. And so uh, sort of meandered my way through a couple different jobs. I taught school for a year. Very cool. I uh, went to FedEx and got my first uh, experience with e-commerce and uh Made my way back into consulting, but started having kids and needed to not travel so much. And so uh, through a friend of a friend, connected at Bank of America uh, in digital marketing and spent nine years there, sort of first as an individual contributor and then just sort of over time got larger and larger roles. And uh, most recently I was leading digital media uh, at Bank of America. And then uh, a year ago I joined Choice Hotels International as the uh, head of marketing and customer acquisition. So what does that role mean at Choice Hotels? What all exactly are you responsible for? It's kind of all things marketing, right? I've got uh, I've got a team of creative uh, folks that lead the brand strategy uh, from a marketing perspective for all the 12 hotel brands that Choice has. And then I also have all of the channels, so paid search, natural search, social media, display advertising, TV. Uh, I've got sort of the marketing soup to nuts, if you will. A little bit of everything. Yeah. So. Thinking back across your career and knowing that digital marketing has changed so much in the last, especially decade, what has been the biggest changes that you've seen that have impacted business? When I first got into this space, digital marketing was sort of a, a niche, if you will. You know, there was traditional marketing and, and uh, digital was a group of subject matter experts that kind of sat off to the side. And, and uh, over 10 years or so, the entire world has gone digital. I don't even know if digital marketing is necessarily a thing anymore because digital marketing and marketing are one and the same. And so that's been been a huge change. And then, you know, I think there's been a whole lot of discussion and change and evolution in the industry about what works and what doesn't. You know, I think everything from banner blindness to ad blocking to viewability and transparency and ad fraud, all those things have sort of just come about in the last 10 years. And so, you know, the the tried and true uh, techniques of 10 years ago no longer work. And so you really just have to be agile enough to uh, work with good partners and figure out sort of how do we uh, get our message out there in a in a meaningful way and and uh, you know it can't really be the interruption based model that existed Historic. for years right it's really got to be uh, additive to the user's experience or else you're going to get blocked or ignored or you know it just uh, it changes the entire landscape of how you go about doing good marketing. So thinking about mobile specifically, how has 
that really changed. We think back to what, 12 years ago now, the iPhone came into existence and now we're all addicted to our phones and don't sleep away from them typically. How has that played a role in how you've seen marketing evolve? 12 years ago when the iPhone launched, I guess, uh, people were still, I know I was still using a flip phone and yep. you know it was like you know, black text on a gray screen. And, and then uh, with the iPhone, I, I remember the early evolution of that where uh, people tried to just sort of take display advertising and the, the techniques that worked on desktop and shrink it down to a mobile screen. And so you had these tiny little banners that like, they got clicks, but there's probably somebody's thumb slipping or something. Pitch and like, zoom. Yeah, Pitch exactly. And, zoom. and so, uh, you know, I think we've learned a lot over the last uh, decade about what works in mobile and, and sort of how to uh, get meaningful messages delivered. I don't see many of those little tiny display ads anymore or any of those, uh, I'm sure we all remember the ads that were delivered via these never-ending series of browsers that would launch and you had to close them one by one and, you know, sort of the mobile version of pop-up ads. Um, but now we've got sort of in-feed and, and video that's uh, enabled for mobile and, uh, you know, we, we went through the evolution of uh, horizontal mm -hmm. for a while that never really caught on, but uh, still, I guess, TBD if that changes in the future. But, you know, I, I think we've learned a lot about sort of user behavior and thumb stopping and how fast human perception works in the mobile uh, landscape. It's, it's, it's not necessarily just a smaller version of desktop. It's a, it's unique and it's got it not, not just in terms of form factor, but in terms of the way that people interact with content and ads in the mobile landscape. And so uh, it, it's still evolving. I think 5G will change things even more in the future. But again, you know, we just talked a minute ago about how traditional and digital are no longer sort of unique. I, I sort of feel like digital and mobile will soon no longer be unique because everything is mobile. And so um, I'm excited to see what that means. You mentioned 5G, which is one of my personal favorite topics right now. What do you think will impact business the most from 5G? Or what are you most excited about personally? I'm most excited about the fact that like when I'm scrambling to download some content before I get on an airplane or something, that it's going to download in like three seconds and, you know, an entire movie in three seconds. We'll see Wouldn't if that, that be amazing? We'll see if that's real or not. But the promise of it, at least, is, is fantastic. And I think a brand like Choice, where we're still sort of Heartland America and we have a large uh, TV, we're still on TV and uh, mm -hmm. it still works very well for us. But I think when 5G comes, TV in your pocket starts to be a real thing where, mm -hmm. like, you don't really have to be tethered to a coaxial cable coming in your house or, or some type of uh, fiber optic cable because the speed that's being delivered over mobile is, is virtually the same. And so it'll be interesting to see, like, does this really change television for good? Yeah. I think television has changed with over the top and so forth, but this delivery speed could really change sort of everything about how video content gets delivered. So when you think about mobile strategy at Choice Hotels, you know, what goes into your thought process around creating a strategy for how you engage with your customers on mobile? It's still sort of two-pronged, and I think this will probably change over time. You're still in the sort of bifurcated world of mobile app versus mobile web. And, and yes. um, particularly for, again, uh, the customer set that we have, which probably skews slightly older and, and uh, maybe slightly less tech adop early adoption. Those are two, two, still two unique ways that people interact with us. So we have to attack both fronts. You know, we're doing everything from investing in the mobile web uh, to get quicker load times and better functionality uh, on that because there's a large portion of people that still use it via the browser. Mm -hmm. But we're also really investing time and energy on getting the app 
built out. It, we, we invested in it significantly a few years ago. We've got a great app, but ensuring that people understand that everything you can do on our website, you can do in that app, whether that's uh, book room reservations or find rates or interact with your choice privileges account and, and redeem points and uh, set, adjust your settings for how you want to earn choice extras. There's a lot of things that uh, functionality that the web has that some 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 apps are not duplicative in terms of functionality, mm -hmm. but ours is, and and so we want people to know that uh, we uh, we see tremendous uptake on the app, and uh, some of our most loyal customers are the people that are using the app, and that's good for choice, that's good for our franchisees, it's good to get those direct bookings where people are coming back to the app. We obviously want to drive as many of the direct bookings as we possibly can, and, and defend our turf against some of the OTAs like uh, that are out there that are uh, marketing aggressively against us. So when you think about your app versus mobile web, you mentioned that it's duplicative. Is that, was that like an intentional choice that you want to be able to deliver the same experience based on however someone wants to consume it or how did that kind of come to be? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, again, it's sort of being where the consumer is and let, letting them choose how and where they want to interact with us. Um, I think what we saw in early versions of the app was there were things that you couldn't do there that, you know, even early versions, like I mentioned at Bank of America, there was things where, you know, you were in the app, but if you click certain functionality, a little browser window would pop and then you're yeah. back in the mobile web. Uh, and so I think in some cases, even early versions of that had pinch and zoom functionality. You're in a mobile app, you're in a mobile browser, but now you're pinching and zooming inside an app. And those type of things are not intuitive. We want the form factor and the, the uh, capabilities that exist inside of an app to be everything that the user expects and give them sort of the seamless experience across channels. So we didn't, we didn't want to do that thing where like, glad you have the app, but if you want to do these five things, like go back to your desktop or get yeah. back on the mobile browser. So yes, it was intentional. How do you think about acquisition and how mobile plays a role into that? I mean, for us, acquisition is bookings, right? And so mm -hmm. uh, we need to be, again, sort of at that zero moment of truth when someone's in the booking window to, to drive reservations for our franchisees. And so that means investing in sort of an omni-channel strategy. Mm -hmm. It's not mobile specific, but it is mobile heavy because mobile is where our volume is growing. We saw 40% growth in mobile last year. We're on track to exceed that this year. Um, so clearly, you know, it, it's sort of the old fish where the fish are. Mobile yeah. is where they are. We want to be there. We need to develop tools and capabilities and for own channels that, that allow people to book. And then we need to, from a marketing and acquisition strategy, we need to go out and put uh, meaningful, creative in front of people in mobile environments that drives traffic for us. We need to be active and, and uh, profitable in our paid, approach to paid search and mobile because a ton of people are searching for us there. Uh, we need a strong SEO strategy and local search uh, management because people are out doing the hotels near me and things like that yeah. in mobile. Uh, that's a huge use case for hotels uh, because people often and uh, you know the, the use case for hotels is stay when you're away from home and sometimes people are places they've never been before so having a really strong SEO strategy where we're showing up and things like hotels near me that's important stuff and so we're we're attacking on all those fronts. Do you have you seen any impact on really what's happening with Google from an SEO perspective with this idea of no click searches where they're starting to answer questions right at the top of when you search for something? Yes. And has that impacted your business at all, or are you guys just starting to see that? In the hotel space, it's a little less uh, than it was, like I said, when I was in banking. We really capitalized on the early adoption of that in banking, where people would type in queries for information, like what is an interest rate, or yeah. what is, uh, you know, how to save for, uh, how to budget. And we could optimize and sort of grab that answer box share at the very top of the Google real estate. In travel, it's a little bit uh, less 
query based in terms of questions that need to be answered. It's yeah. not like, what is a hotel or where, you know, how do I find a room to stay in when I'm away yeah. from home? Those type of questions don't really get asked. And so um, we don't see quite as much of that sort of changes at the really top of the real estate. I think Google is, uh, is still uh, monetizing paid search listings at the very top of the, of the SERP. What I do see changing though is, uh, you know, Google is, is becoming a major player themselves with things like uh, Google hotel ads, where you can book straight inside of Google without yes. ever leaving the Google ecosystem. And so we were an early partner with them on that. Uh, it's good for Google. It's good for us in terms of uh, it's a seamless experience for the user where they can book inside of Google. And yet it's not like getting a booking via uh, an OTA where the OTA owns the customer. Yeah. Yes, the booking happens inside of Google, but the email confirmation comes from choice and we get to sort of own that customer data on the back end. So we're excited about a partnership with Google there. No, that's really exciting. I know like one of the big challenges a lot of times in my some of my experience been in, you know, through B2B to C where you're selling in big box stores and they own the customer data. So they tell you what the basket looks like, but they don't tell you what the person look like or what their email address is or how do I communicate with them. So that's really exciting. Yes. So when you think about technology channels that are going to play a role in your overall marketing strategy, how do you determine what to do? Because there's always like the uh, shiny object in marketing. How do you determine what shiny objects to chase, which ones not to chase? I mean, I think uh, coming back to sort of the mobile space, it's challenging mobile because a lot of the measurement solutions and attribution solutions that are out there uh, today are, if not blind to mobile, most of them aren't blind to mobile, but they're certainly not as tuned in mobile as they are in, in desktop yeah. and sort of the traditional space. So uh, we have a very strong analytics group inside of Choice that does always on measurement. We have media mix modeling. We have uh, multi-touch attribution type solutions that uh, we have employed in the past and are looking at again to sort of help understand sort of what works, what has historically proven to be high return on investment channels for us. One of the things that I'm sort of pushing for as a, as a new person in the organization is to really have a, an aggressive test and learn in, in mm -hmm. agenda where, you know, for every media plan or campaign plan that you're coming up with, you know, you have 80, 85% tried and true, tested, proven. Uh, we still need to drive that strong business results for our franchisees, uh, but we also need to have 10 to 15% uh, of test and learn and uh, sort of new or next, either new partners doing stuff we've tried before or just next generation type stuff from a channel perspective so that we can learn our way into some of these evolving spaces, things like booking via voice. Uh, we have a partnership with Google for that, and uh, that's a mobile type function as well as some of the in-home uh, device stuff. But those are the types of things where we want to have a, a portion of our media plans and our campaign plans dedicated to that kind of thing so we can learn our way into that space and not just be caught off guard when you know you wake up one day and that's a thing and you've never done it before. And now you're playing catch up. Yes. Well, I think that's important that you bring it up because a lot of times I feel like marketers sometimes miss out on the innovation. They get so focused on what's worked before. They don't think about what's next. And then they wake up and they're like, oh, I didn't realize that this is something that everyone is doing. And now I am six months or a year behind. That's right. And so, you know, it's tough uh, when you're focused on doing the work all day, every yes. day. I sort of uh, like to think that the internal team is heads down doing the work and we rely heavily on our agency partners to sort of keep their eyes up and looking at that landscape, bring that information back to us, help keep us educated. It's hard. It's changing quickly. Uh, so leveraging great partners and best in class agency support and that kind of thing really helps us uh, be able to sort of do both, do, deliver the work with our internal folks and obviously stay abreast of what's happening and looking out at the landscape and not getting caught off guard, leveraging those partners that can do this on, on our behalf. So when you think about mobile overall and just, and I guess in general marketing too, what is the biggest challenge that you think businesses face? 
Well, I mean, it's changing, right? I mean, I think we're on the cusp of radical change. You know, we're in a divided political environment right now where there's a lot of hot button issues. Uh, but I think one thing that both parties will agree on is some regulation around privacy, mm-hmm. around uh, uh, an American version of GDPR, if you will. And I think that the ability to sort of deliver meaningful advertising uh, over the last few years has been largely reliant on our identity strategy that allows mm-hmm. you, if, even if on an anonymized basis, to deliver media and marketing to people based on what you know about them. And yep. I think as that becomes more difficult, the industry is going to be at a crossroads because we're going to have to figure out sort of how do we continue to be uh, a meaningful part of the conversation in a world where delivering personalized messages, which is what we've all been focused on doing, becomes more difficult. And I think um, that the companies that figure out, uh, whether it's things like edge computing or or some of those types of things that help you move beyond sort of the cookie and the personal identity. And uh, I'm hopeful that we land at a rule that sort of says one-to-one is not kosher, but perhaps um, a one to several or one to to a group that where you can sort of segment your do micro segmentation and deliver meaningful messages to people that are contextually relevant and uh, are not necessarily tied to an individual identity. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because one of the things for me that I feel like is a great opportunity is to think about personalization in a different way. So right now we personalize everything based on, like to your point earlier, cookies. And what if we provide such a great experience that we get consumers to give us their information and want personalized content from us? You know, sort of switching to an opt-in type model yes. where you opt-in. I think the um, the bar is high, right? I think you, uh, you're you starting to see some of the advertising blend where advertising and content, quote unquote, are sort of indistinguishable from each yep. other. And if you can reach that point, then, then where you're providing, uh, you know, content to people that is meaningful enough that they're willing to sort of opt into it and accept your brand message as part of uh, the experience, you're a good marketer. And I think, uh, again, like part of part of what's changing here is it's raising the bar and, and we can't just sort of, uh, it's not interruption based. It's really changing how good you have to be in terms yeah. of uh, building messages that resonate. And so um, it'll be an exciting 10 to 15 years uh, looking forward. I'm excited to see the people that start pushing that before they're required to. Well, I think you already see that, right? I think yep. you're starting to see um, branded content. Um, I think of some of the stuff that my kids watch on YouTube, for example. Like some of that stuff is, I'll, I'll go and they're watching a, a video of some, somebody doing an extreme sport, and it's it's all branded content from Red Bull, for example. Yep. And so. Uh, there's there's companies out there that have figured out that sort of the best way to get their message out there is through some of this type of activity rather than trying to like pop an ad in front of somebody right before they conduct a transaction. So uh, again, we heard here yesterday uh, about Amazon, for example, going out and producing movies that mm-hmm. uh, as a as a means to um, drive uh, loyalty to the Prime program because the only way to take advantage of the movies that that, that they produce is as a member of Prime, and so things like that are really fundamentally changing even the uh, the delivery models of some of these advertising, if you will. So if you had a crystal ball and you could look five years in the future, what does the future of mobile look like to you? How are we engaging on mobile devices? How are we marketing people on mobile devices? I think, again, five years from now, mobile and desktop will be one and the same. I think, um, you know, I think about some of these tablet-like devices like Microsoft Surface and, mm-hmm. um, you know, everything that we can sort of 
do on a desktop. You, you can sort of do that today, but like if I need to crank on a PowerPoint deck, I'm still going back to my desk because I need the mouse, I need the big yeah. monitor. I think that type of thing will go away and everything that you can do uh, will be mobile driven. You're not gonna have to be tethered to a hard drive in your office or the network at the office. Everything will be on the mobile device and completely portable. And then I think honestly, um, your device will be your primary means of consuming media, all kinds of media, television, it already is for music and, and that kind of thing. Uh, so, um, you know, I think uh, it'll be the control center for your home your, as you turn lights on and off and all the things that sort of, yeah, they're out there today, but the adoption level is not, where it not be. mainstream. Yeah. Uh, but all of that will be mainstream. And so uh, in terms of marketing, it's figuring out sort of how do you enter that space in a meaningful way, whether it is through some of the things we're talking about where you're providing content that acts as marketing or whether it's, uh, you know, it could be the thing, type of thing where you're switching back to some of the more traditional forms of sponsorship marketing so yeah. that you can be uh, in the in the events that people are that care about. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that happens. I wish I had a crystal ball that was less foggy. <laughs> Don't we all? Brett raised so many thought-provoking questions during my conversation with him from whether or not digital marketing actually still exists anymore, or if it's just marketing to the idea that one day there may not really be a difference between mobile or desktop. These are the types of questions that we as marketers really need to be thinking about among a host of other ones, because what we're doing right now is making bets on where the future of marketing is headed. And we all know it's much easier if we're ahead of the game than if we're behind it. Now let's get to my favorite part of the show where we take the education and apply it to your business. There's so many great insights from my conversation with Brent that can really help transform how you think about mobile marketing. Let's dive into my top three takeaways. First, can we all agree that mobile and desktop are not the same thing? At least not right now. And what I mean by that is consumer behavior on mobile devices is dramatically different than how they behave on desktop. The way we search, interact, purchase, etc., is very different on each device for a variety of reasons. And sometimes that has to do with the experience we as marketers are providing on mobile versus the desktop, while other times it has to do with the behaviors consumers want to take on each device. We need to make sure we're designing each of these experiences based on how our users will interact with them. We need to just stop assuming that desktop is a bigger version of mobile and vice versa. Next, are you missing out on innovation because you're only focusing on what's worked before and not considering what's next? It's easy for us to sometimes fall victim to this, especially when it comes to budget and we're allocating resources, but it doesn't result in us pushing our brand forward. It also doesn't usually cause us to drive hockey stick growth results that we all honestly really want, and it can cause us to fall behind our competition without even realizing it. Like Brent mentioned, he's currently trying to have 10 to 15% of each campaign focused on an innovation area. And I would even challenge you and him to consider upping that amount closer to 20%. That's the only way to ensure you're not getting left behind and are truly taking advantage of the latest technology and ideas available. Finally, we all need to raise the bar. That's the resounding message I took away from my conversation with Brent. As marketers, we have a responsibility to our customers to deliver meaningful and relevant message that helps them while also driving results for our business. And sometimes we've made good choices and done the right thing. And other times we honestly haven't. And that's why tech providers like Google and regulations like GDPR exist because we couldn't police ourselves and we weren't reliable enough to make good choices. We can do better. We must do better. You guys, we need to stop forcing other organizations and governments to regulate us because we can't make the right decisions based on what our customers want. 
We need to put our customers right in the middle of what we do. And I'm not talking about the data model. I'm talking about asking them how they want to be communicated with, the channels they want to see us on, and then actually respecting those wishes. Marketing shouldn't be an interruption-based concept anymore. It needs to be permission-focused, which means you have to deliver value in order to earn their permission. I believe we all can do it, but I need your help to accomplish it. Now, here's my mobile marketing challenge for the week. Find a way to ask your customers how they want to hear from you. And I know the best way normally to do that is through both a quantitative and qualitative survey, but you also need to do something much more informal in order to get a quick pulse. And that's what I'm talking about here. And that could be something simple like a poll on social media or asking a couple of customers during quick phone calls. Basically, start collecting this information so you can rethink the channels you're using and start delivering the type of experience customers actually want from your brand. It's a starting point. I'm Stephanie Cox, and you've been listening to Mobile Matters. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Until then, be sure to visit Lumivate.com and subscribe to get more access to thought leaders, best practices, and all things mobile.